Well, hello, everybody. Glad to have you with me. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Coming to you from the heart of Cajun country where we do Christmas just a little bit different with bonfires and fireworks and gumbo and everything else you can think of, but with a Louisiana twist, as all good things do. So, for our finale tonight, or today, or whenever it is you happen to be listening, I'm going to do a 2022 year in review. So this is going to be for all the top stories of different things. I'm going to go month by month. Different things happen during during the course of the year. We'll just go ahead and you know talk about them a little bit. Just to kind of give you an idea of where we were, where we're at. You know, we'll see what happens. All good things come to an end at some point. So, so does this season. And just because the season's ending doesn't mean that we're not going to have another one. The season premiere for season 10 will be on January 17th. That premiere episode will go live January 17th. Mark your calendars. Put it in your phone. Put it in your iPad. Whatever you happen to have. And, of course, I will update you on Facebook and everywhere else I can think of. But just remember that date, January 17th. And while I have you thinking about dates, don't forget December 15th. That's going to be about two weeks from now, December 15th by 8 p.m. Go ahead and get your entries in on DownSouthITPodcast.com forward slash giveaway. I'm giving away three months of YouTube uh, premium for free. All you have to do is enter name and email address just so I can contact you. You can enter as many times as you want. More times you enter, the better your chance is to win. Go ahead and hit up that website right now, downsouthitpodcast.com by December 15th at 8 p.m. Central Time. I'm going to be doing the, the drawing on the 16th at 7 p.m. So be watching your Facebook and email and everything around that time. That way you'll be notified if you are the lucky winner. And from there, if you do decide that you want to keep the service after that three months for free, it is, I believe, $12. So again, get all your entries in right now on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash giveaway. Or if you follow the Facebook page, which you really ought to if you don't, down at Down South IT on Facebook. I've been putting up links for that for the last couple of weeks. So that way you can go straight to the page and then learn all about everything there and play around on the website while you're there. Why not? It's there. That's what it's there for. But all entries have to be in on the 15th by 8 p.m. Drawing next night on the 16th. Be sure to watch your email and or Facebook because I will be announcing the winner on there. And while you're already on the website, why not take a look around and see what else it has to offer? I have a whole bunch of stuff up there, build guides, different reviews on different products, all kinds of cool stuff on there. Check out everything that I have on there. Judging from the web traffic, it is that time of year again because the... Raspberry Pi uh, Christmas light controller pages have been going crazy. So I know a lot of people are usually around this time, starting in around November, everybody looks for those pages for that build guide simply because they want to try it or build, you know, one of their own. That's perfectly fine. That is exactly why I have that there. So you can follow it step by step. If you want to build your own, all it takes is a Raspberry Pi and, you know, some wires and a few other little things. It's not terribly difficult if you did want to try to attempt it, but not just that. It actually looks really good once it's finished, and I have videos uh, on there showing how it actually works and and everything, too. So couldn't play the music because of copyright and yada, 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 but you at least get the idea of what it can do as far as that. So, again, 
Go ahead and check all of that out along with just about everything else I got on the website, including the merch store too. If you want to hit that up for some last minute Christmas deals, go for it. It helps out the channel, helps me out, and you get something cool for Christmas. So let's jump right into the 2022 year in review. And first up in January, we have Microsoft it issues a patch to fix broken exchange email service. I don't know if you even remember this because this was happened really fast and they fixed it really fast because obviously if you're running exchange servers for Microsoft email, whether it's a corporate one or you know so, uh, just for a business side or you know anything else, that's kind of important. And one of the updates that they pushed actually broke it to where it would not update. So yeah, they kind of fixed that and went pretty, it was a fairly chaotic couple of days to be honest. Now granted, now the company I work for, we use Exchange and everything, but we didn't have, have that happen. It was on Exchange 2016 and 2019 servers. So it was the older ones, the standalone servers that did it. It wasn't Microsoft 365. So if you had 365, you weren't affected. But if you happen to use a standalone server for your email, this was probably a nightmare 40, you know, 48 to 72 hours, give or take. So I will definitely not say a whole lot about it other than at least they patched it really fast. Moving on to February, we have the beginning of the deal from Microsoft to acquire Activision and Blizzard. That one was actually... <laughs> kind of a big deal just for the simple fact of, you know, Microsoft has been acquiring different studios and stuff like that and different businesses for years, decades. And uh, the article that I actually have on there is because the FTC decided that they wanted to investigate to see if there was any kind of monopoly or anything like that, that they were going to be, you know, possibly getting into. And whenever you start talking about getting into some kind of monopoly or anything like that, you know that you've acquired quite a bit of intellectual property. So they ended up going through with the deal by now, as we all know. But the fact of this whole thing got the gaming world in quite the tizzy. And in, to, to be fair, it's still kind of in a tizzy with some of the contract disputes and different things that are going on with some of the properties. So this is the gift that just keeps giving to be <laughs> to be honest next up we have cyberpunk 2077 this game was released and for like the first six months this thing was completely and utterly almost useless because it was so buggy and so bad the visuals look great but everything was so broken when they released it project red you know, it, it became almost a joke within the first couple of weeks. And it was so badly optimized. The adage of can it run crisis, which, you know, uh, an older title, but it was basically the most demanding game that you could put on a computer. It became pretty much can it run cyberpunk overnight? So and a lot of people still believe that this game is actually a buggy mess. Within the first six months, they actually went back and fixed probably 95% of everything that was wrong. So it, it's just been a few little things here and there that they've been doing. And it's actually a very stable and well-playing game now. So if you had it at one point on Steam or something and you know it was so bad, you just put it down and couldn't get around to it, you might want to go ahead and update it and give it a try now. Just because it's been thoroughly 
thoroughly overhauled at this point. So if you're going to try it, now would be the time to try it. So way back in March, I don't know if you remember, Apple CEO Tim Cook tells all of his employees that they have to return to the office on April 11th. Now, from the start of COVID, there were a lot of big companies that started having their employees work from home and do remote uh, learning and stuff like that for school. Two years later, Apple finally made the decision to bring people back to their offices and to the Apple campus and in the remote working for most of their employees. I think that kind of stood out, especially being that it was in California and most of the stuff that they were doing over there is been kind of lagging behind the rest of everybody else as far as some of the COVID restrictions and everything. So the fact that they decided to do that back in April kind of signaled the end of you know, hopefully the, the COVID madness, but you know, it, it is still floating around there. So we shall see, but hopefully we've kind of come to the, the end of that. I'm hoping I'm very hopeful because I really don't want to go back to masks and everything again. And I know you don't either. Now, also back in March, Google, uh, it wasn't really Google that did this in March, but the story came out in March that, Google had an art AI that they created and released, and it was mainly for manga, comics, and you know things like that, anime. They had different ones for different styles. And the problem was that after the fact, most they had a lot of people that were using a few keywords and creating, creating AI-generated art pieces and then entering those into competitions as their own and some of them were supposedly going to win heavy prize money until all of this came out one winner quote unquote actually only won like 300 bucks but the idea the whole idea behind it was that he wanted to try to see if he could pass off an ai art piece as his own and that's basically exactly what he did he just created it in seconds and entered it into an art uh, an art contest and almost won. Well, he did win, but they forced him to take it back because it wasn't his and you know how that goes. But anyway, the whole the whole controversy behind it was that can AI actually beat a human artist at, you know, creating a piece of art? And it is it's a really weird line and it's a fine line because we think of AI as far as like you know, facial recognition and doing different things like that. Even some of the, the self-driving Tesla stuff, you could count, almost call it an AI. But just to be able to do one specific thing, like create an art piece in a specific style, just based on, you know, a few keywords and stuff like that, it really wasn't something that was out there in kind of in the mainstream. And the fact that this got so much news generated by it was kind of weird because it's not something that you normally hear of. Now, moving on to April, Google Project Zero detects a record number of zero-day threats. And Google's Project Zero, which is uh, kind of a subdivision of some of Google's uh, different networking and hardware and patching uh, groups, track how many zero-day threats that they encounter and also ones that people actually submit to them to get fixed. And over the course of 2021, 
they had a record number, <laughs> which is not good. So what does that actually mean as far as me and you? That just means that, does it mean that hackers are getting a lot smarter? Or is it, does that mean that people are putting out programs and apps and different things that are clearly not finished yet? I think it's more of the latter. Now, granted, you know, hackers and a lot of spoofers and different things like that, they are going to do phishing schemes. A lot of that is starting to get a lot more sophisticated nowadays. But as far as this type of threat goes, this type of threat that they look for is a lot more, you know, software and network wide uh, interventions and different things. So this is stuff that clearly hasn't been completely tested via Red Hat and, you know, stress tested, network tested, or sometimes even beta tested, to be honest, with some of the stuff. But no matter what it was, they found zero day threats, which are threats that are vulnerable now. That's basically what a zero day threat is. If you have this threat, your system is vulnerable right now. So it is zero day. It's not a, you know, one day. It's not a three day thing that it would take somebody to hack in. It is basically screwed now. So that's why a lot of if you hear Microsoft zero day threats or in this case, Google zero day threats, which is all zero day threats having to do with Google software, email search, you know, all of the properties that they have. So, yes, even Google puts out stuff when it's clearly not ready, but to each his own. And again, they catch a lot of stuff as it goes, especially since they have a bounty program. I don't know if anybody even knew about that, but yeah, Google actually has a bounty program. If you find a zero day threat and you turn it into them and show them how it works, they'll pay you 25 grand. So if you're good at coding or anything like that, hey, if you can figure out a way to get in or break a Google service, you might get 25 grand if you if you turn it in. Just saying. Also in April, we had thousands of people start canceling their Netflix accounts. Why? Because that was back whenever Netflix threatened and started to carry out the fact that they were going to crack down on password sharing. And I don't know a whole lot of people that actually still use Netflix. Most people are doing a lot of other different streaming apps, at least the ones I know and I talk to. But the ones that do use Netflix, a lot of times they did share passwords. Now, granted, they did kind of make it a little bit less of a sting by if you want to share your password, it was only like a dollar, you know, that they added to your account. So they're still getting something out of it. But, you know, the the first iteration of their threat to, to crack down on it was met with a lot of ire and a lot of cancellations. <laughs> Moving on to May, experts say that Apple's self-repair program is designed to be unapproachable. And I don't know if most people even knew that Apple had a self-repair program. And it's basically you get on a waiting list, you pay 50 bucks, and you pay for parts, and then they send you basically $1,000 worth of equipment in two Pelican cases to repair your screen, change your battery, whatever it happens to be. It's the same stuff that Apple actually uses in factory. And <laughs> this thing is not for the faint of heart. If you have never changed a screen on a phone, 
especially lately, or if you've never changed a battery in a phone or anything or taken anything apart like that, especially the way that these things are made, this is not exactly easy. Now, granted, they do send you some materials on how to do it. I fix it actually came out with a meth with a manual on how to do it with Apple's uh, equipment. But even that it's still not going to be very easy and probably will take you about three to four hours. So if you don't have three to four hours to change your screen or change, change your battery on your iPhone or your iPad, going this route probably won't save you a whole lot of time and or money if you just take it to an authorized dealer to get it done over there. Next up, Microsoft Edge overtakes Safari as the number two browser on desktops. Now, Chrome is by far the most used browser on a desktop, but the number two spot is actually kind of important. And it shows where things are actually changing because, I mean, Chrome's always going to, it was number one for a long time. It's probably still going to be number one long after this list is finished. But why has Edge beat out Safari? And it's not merely for the fact of there's more Microsoft devices than there are Mac devices. Because, I mean, granted, Macs are probably maybe 25%, 30% of the desktop market. Maybe the rest is all Microsoft. So why are they finally beating them now? That's, that's kind of the more interesting question, at least to me. And I think the reason is because most corporate situations and you know business entities, they relied a lot on older software, older hardware systems, and all of that needs to use Internet Explorer. And the only reason that Edge is being used now is because there's a compatibility layer in there that lets you run it as if it was Internet Explorer. So that's I think that's probably the only reason, just mainly because of older aging hardware and that's about it. It's not because it's easier to use. It's not because it's built on the Chromium platform or whatever it happens to be. It wasn't the fact that Microsoft decided to push it so freaking hard on everybody, which I'm still kind of pissed at them about that, to be honest. But yeah, uh, that's basically probably going to be it. Another interesting thing is going to be to see whether or not it actually stays that way for a while. That'll be the more interesting thing to me. Now, before I jump into June, don't forget, I can you can actually look at all of these different things, all these different topics. Everything will be on the website on the show prep page right underneath the embedded player. Just click that link right there. It'll take you straight to it. And it'll have all of the, the articles, all the links, everything right there for you if you wanted to follow along or just kind of run through and relive the last year as far as some of the crazy stuff that happened during during this year. <laughs> so if you want to do that, by all means, downsouthitpodcast.com on the homepage right under the, the embedded player. Just look for the show prep, show prep link. I can't speak right now. And go ahead and take a look at that. It'll be there for you. So up in June, UK says that all phones must have the same charger by 24, 2024. Again, I can't speak. Now, this has been a huge and ongoing deal because everybody knows iPhone has their own proprietary thing. They have the lightning cable and 
Apple has been fighting very, very hard to keep the lightning cable and not move over to USB type C. Now, some of the MacBooks and some other different, you know, Apple devices do have USB type C. So it's not that they're not familiar with it, but for some reason they are just, they really did not want to move over to USB type C for the iPhone. Why? I have no idea, but they, I'm sure they have their reasoning and I'm actually going to talk about it again a little bit later toward because something else happened toward the end of the year. So this is only the first of two for this. Also in June, we had Google's password manager gains on device encryption. Now, password managers are a nice little handy tool to have if you're trying to remember all your passwords, generate new secure passwords and different things like that while you're out and about and, you know, on your phone, on your laptop, a lot of them will cross over, you know, and, and everything like that. Google created one and had it within the Chrome browser. But when they first created it, it was encrypted on the cloud side. So on Google side, it was encrypted. So just in just on the, the idea that if Google side was, you know, hacked, then all of those passwords that you saved could not be could not be read because they were encrypted. That wasn't so on the actual device that you were you were syncing it with. So if you had them on your phone or your Android tablet or whatever, whenever it stored them in there, it stored them as confidential. You would have to put a password in to see it, but it would still store as plain text. Now, as far as going back to June, when they did the updates, now all the password managers they use, it's encrypted end to end. So now everything is fully encrypted, which is always nice. Encryption is always a good thing, <laughs> especially when you go with that. Now, the Google password manager, again, is not, it's not bad. I, I won't really bad mouth it too bad. I had used it for a long time, at least up until I started using LastPass. And once I started with LastPass, that was granted that is a paid one and it's 35 bucks a, a year, but I've really don't have too much issue with LastPass. They actually got hacked not long ago, but there's nothing that they can actually hack because everything is completely encrypted in the end. So there was really nothing that even if they did get hacked, they, you know, nobody can get anything. So that's always a good thing. I'll, that part I did like <laughs> whenever they actually, they actually sent me an email about two weeks ago about that just as an update. But yeah. You know, I'm very happy with that service. So if you decide to give a password manager a, a shake, you know, either one password or LastPass would be a couple of good ones to, to kind of look into. They're both about the same price. Now, moving into July, everyone is going crazy for a two year old game about action figures. So what happened was they had a game. It was called Hypercharge Unboxed. And it was basically kind of like Call of Duty, but you played as action figures and you would fight other toys like in a toy room or, you know, different things like that. And it had been out for at least two years already. But what happened was the, they actually got a couple of the creators started releasing footage of gameplay and doing it on TikTok and, 
you know, some of the YouTube shorts and different things like that. So they were using new methods to try to get new eyes on their game, even though it was two years old. And over the course of a few weeks, they actually started getting millions of views on their TikToks and shorts and different things like that. So they went viral and it was viral for a two-year-old game, but it was mainly just because they started they started using different methods to to get out word on how that game is played and how it looks. You know, so I think it was all I think it was actually cool and I played the the free trial of it. It's actually a decent little game. It's not bad. Um, but the fact that they were able to use new things and new techniques to bring attention to something that they had already created and was already out there and it went viral was kind of cool. And speaking of that, they actually have another article with another game, and that one was players lapping up an adventure game where you play as a cat. And I know at least everybody I talk to and a few other ones that even I really don't talk to all that much, everybody was talking about the game Stray, where you play as a cat, you jump around, you you know, you know purr, you clean your face and all of that, everything's all cute. And you're helping out a robot to solve puzzles and different things like that. It was a cool but very short game. Uh, you can still find it on Steam if you if it's on discount. You know, it's always it's a fun little thing. And they actually have fan mods that you can install too, to where you can actually play as a French bulldog or as Garfield. So there's that. But yeah, a couple of games back in July that kind of blew up. You know, out of nowhere, really. Okay, moving into August, we have a PC hardware monitor uses tricorder tech. Now, this article is kind of a little bit misleading, but it's not an actual tricorder that's being used. It's basically somebody used the tricorder skin, you know, as far as what the the monitor shows to have a hardware monitor for their custom PC. And it looks pretty cool. And the guy did a lot of work to try to get it to actually work and, you know, get everything to be on there correctly. I just thought it looked kind of cool. And uh, that day for August was, you know, kind of slow. So that was basically the big, big news of that day. So we'll move on. And also back in August, I'm sure you remember when Wordle was a big thing. Wordle is playable now through the New York Times crossword app. And once basically New York Times bought this and integrated it, that was kind of the beginning of the end for Wordle. Uh, people still play it. I know a lot of people still play it. But after that, it went down a lot from what people were. I mean, this was like every other post in my Facebook feed for like weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Thank God it's over. But. I know you remember it, but yeah, whenever New York Times acquired it and put it in with the crossword puzzle, that was unfortunately kind of the death knell for it. <laughs> and now, like I said, it's just kind of one of those average things that everybody just kind of plays a little bit now and forgot most of it. Most people probably uninstalled it by now, but it's still there if we ever want to go back and play it. Now, moving on to September, Apple's lightning cable is 10 years old, but its time is over. And like I mentioned in the previous article, the requirement that Europe is going to go to a USB type C standard for all phones 
that will be the death knell for the lightning cable. I can pretty much guarantee you that Apple will not make different hardware variants of the same phone just for the charging port. I'm sure they can, but I guarantee you they probably won't. Just for simplicity's sake, they won't. So because of Europe's you know, new standard for all phones requiring a, the same charging port by 2024, I can pretty much guarantee you that whenever, by the time the iPhone 15 comes out, which is when this happens in Europe, that one will be an iPhone. Uh, it will be an iPhone with a USB Type-C charging port. And that will almost be certainly the same one that they bring down here to the US. I can pretty much guarantee you. Next up is Meta's Quest Pro VR headset leaks. Now, it's not really the headset that I wanted to kind of talk about in this one because it's actually more the metaverse that I kind of wanted to talk about. And Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg have spent roughly $4 billion, that's B, that's billion with a B, on creating something that was kind of their version of the Oasis in the movie Ready Player One. And if you hadn't seen that movie, it's actually pretty good. You should go check it out. It is a Spielberg movie. But it's actually pretty good. So if you want to check it out, at least kind of have an idea of what I'm talking about. But basically, it is a complete VR reality that you basically live in other than to eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. And that's kind of how it is in the movie. You know, everything, you do everything there. You work there. You play there. You do everything except, you know, manage your own body. And that's kind of what they were trying to build with this. And they wasted an entire $4 billion trying to create it. And it just failed so spectacularly. And I'm, I'm actually kind of glad because I like the movie, but I really and truly don't think I would like having to wear a VR headset for eight, 10 hours a day just to talk to people. You know, that's kind of stupid. I really don't. I, that would not be my thing. I'm sure to some people that's awesome, you know, but I'm not quite that much of an introvert. I am to an extent, but not that much. Moving into October, we have the Mario Brothers movie. Now, this one is, it. granted, if you've seen the trailers, the movie actually looks really good. The characters look just like they do for N64 and a lot of the Wii games and different things like that. So, character design they got spot on it's gonna be a lot of nostalgia for me and a lot of the old people or older people damn it i'm not old that started with your og nes the, the big question is going to be chris pratt voicing mario and whether or not the movie will actually be good that remains to be seen but i'll give chris pratt the benefit of the doubt because I do like him as an actor, so I will give him the benefit of the doubt. But now, even, even if it's terrible, I'm at least going to watch it once. So I really can't say anything. I'm just going to hit it for nostalgia for, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> also in October, Apple launches iOS 16.1. So that's the new version of iOS. And they did it on October 24th, and it added new features like live activities where you can check in on different real-time game scores, track packages, and all of that from the lock screen. You're able to actually delete the wallet app if you don't use it. 
God forbid you can actually delete an app you don't use on an Apple device. <gasps> I know. It's, it's crazy. And the probably the biggest thing was that you can do shared photo libraries in iCloud. So you could actually add up to six people and pool different photos in that pool and then you can all share them at one time. So that was kind of a big, that was probably the biggest thing with iOS 16. And the very last thing at the very end of October, which we're still dealing with the fallout from this one, but Elon Musk completes his Twitter deal. Twitter started a new era whenever Elon Musk finalized the deal to buy him for $44 billion. And I was on Twitter, but not really active on Twitter before Elon took over. But ever since, it's been kind of nuts. You know, they got a lot of banned people coming back. They're you know, people saying a lot more things without fear of being deplatformed, which is good. I've always been of the opinion, you know, you can say whatever the hell you want, but just the fact of you're not immune from the consequences of saying said stupid things. Know what I mean? So that's kind of a, a fresh take on how that's going over there. But it is kind of a wel welcome change to where how most big tech operates. So that is kind of a cool thing to, to see and kind of experience while, while on the platform. Now, I don't know exactly where Elon will be taking Twitter going forward. He keeps tweeting different things saying, you know, they're going to try this. They're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. Not sure if it's any of that's going to be good or if it's going to stick. But I mean, some of the improvements just in the speed of the platform and some of the lag and different things has helped a lot in the last few weeks. So, you know, if they want to add features, I'm all for that. But I'm just glad that somebody's fixing it to where it actually it's, you know, actually somewhat usable. Now, coming to November, this will be actually the last uh, because we're just getting into December. So I can't do I, I can't tell the future, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have bought many, many, many winning lottery tickets over the years. So but anyway, in November, Google Stadia dies a long, slow death. Now, I think uh, whenever I was doing research for this, I did see an article. I think it was back in uh, April or May about how Google was not going to kill Google Stadia. Yeah, they lied. <laughs> and if you don't know, Google Stadia was basically their game streaming service. And it's good in theory. There's a few of them that do it now, like NVIDIA has GeForce Now, P uh, PlayStation has uh, PS Now, you know, different things like that. So they do have a few of them that do it. But Google Stadia was one of the first ones to try it out of the gate. And it just had a lot of problems whenever they first started. So it really never took off and it never kind of hung on. So it this is anything like that with streaming and different things like that are going to be slow to be adopted. I mean, streaming, streaming TV really wasn't a thing until a few years ago. And now it's, you know, pretty dominant. So at some point, I think streaming gaming is going to be pretty similar. But especially with the cost of components that are still really high and probably going to get higher sooner rather than later, this kind of service could be something that could do well in the future. But it's really not ready for prime time yet. But I do think it'll get there eventually. 
And last up, we have Apple's 2022 App Awards. And this was their list of apps that were some of their favorites that kind of bucked the trend and made you use apps and do things in different ways. You know, being Apple type things. I don't use Apple, so I'm just guessing on that. But some of the some of them were Be Real, which was a social media app where you actually post main picture uh, pictures from your main camera and your selfie camera together to capture things happening in the moment. So it's kind of like Instagram, but you use both cameras to you know show your reaction to what you're actually doing and do stuff in the moment. Kind of an interesting concept. I'm not I'm not against it, but it's a little bit different. Uh, Good Notes which is a note-taking app for your iPad and you use the pen with it so you can actually take notes in your own handwriting. And you could you could actually take notes from your handwriting and change them into different fonts and different things like that. So it, there, there's a lot of things like that. You can sync it up with Google Drive or Dropbox or different things like that to keep backups for your notes. So it's it that one was kind of interesting, at least, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, gentler streak was a fitness app that helps you find balance between doing your workouts and resting. So it would always keep your well-being ahead of your fitness goals, which actually is kind of a hot take from everything that I've read. Cause every fitness app is, they want, you know, go, 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 go. Instead of let's go, let's go. Okay. You need a rest. <laughs> so that's a little bit different one. Now, they did have a few games and stuff like that, like Apex Legends Mobile on there. But other than that, there was a few, you know, a few other little things, but nothing too crazy. And there you have it. That's our year in review. A lot of stuff that went on this year. Lots of stuff that went on this year. This year actually flew by pretty quick. Don't you agree? And I will end the podcast and I'll end this season, just like I always do with a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard. Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for being here this season. I love you. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday, great Christmas, great new year. I will see you on January 17th. Back here for the start of season 10. Don't forget to head to the website and get entered for the three months of YouTube premium. DownSouthITPodcast.com forward slash giveaway. Get entered now. Entries have to be in by the 15th. Drawing on the 16th. Y'all have a great holiday. I will see y'all in January. I love you. And I'll see you right back here on the next season of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.